Part two of session 89. Let's talk here more about Tarot and Ra's history. Let's begin. So far in this session, we have talked about these two topics, so we're going to continue talking about it. And it's interesting how it takes a turn into the Tarot and then it goes back into uh, Ra's history. So we're going to have so far, we discussed in the last episode some of the history of Ra in terms of the planet itself. Now we're going to go more into the population and the experience itself that they had with a couple of examples of negative entities that were there. Uh, really interesting and not much of a, no more than a referential point for us who study in the direction of the law of one, meaning the evolution of self, self-remembering self. Uh, but it's still something interesting. These, is, these are one of the avenues that the law of one, the material itself, takes that I admit that they're not very useful, I would say. Just interesting stuff. Um, so again, because I am inclined to go into the direction of learning how to apply this in our daily lives and what does this mean for us and how can we live this uh, joyful essence that reality really is and not the suffering i'm interested more in that i'm interested in the end of dissatisfaction the end of uh, suffering itself and so again just wanted to mention that the material does have this type of information and it's not bad it's just that um, i'm interested in the juicy part let's call it in this direction that i have so i think i have have my slides all messed up don't I I think we finish in 29 19 right 18 19 um, yes is this right I think we can go into the first question which again in the last episode we moved from um, we moved from Ross history into the tarot just um, into let's refresh because this is what open yeah let's start that's why i have it here so in question 18 this is from last episode uh, don asked i would like to question Ra on each of these cards in order to better understand the archetypes is this agreeable and then Ra gave the uh their usual as we have previously stated these archetypical concept complexes are a tool for learned teaching Thusly, if we were to offer information that were not a response of op to observations of the student, we would be infringing upon the free will of the learned teacher by being teach learner and learned teacher at once. So this is just an elaborate way of saying we cannot comment unless you make an observation and from that observation we can comment. In essence, what do you think is there? Let's talk about it. Uh, so that opened the conversation into the Tarot which we're going to follow now. So the first question that we have fresh for this episode is question 19. 
where Don says, in that case, I'll ask you, you stated that Ra used the Tarot to develop the magical personality. Was this done by the system of learning to become, in mind, the essence of each archetype and in this way develop the magical personality? Ra says, this is incorrect. The clothing, the clothing one's self within the archetypes and advanced practice of the adept which has long studied this archetypical system. The concept complexes, which together are intended to represent the architecture of a significant and rich portion of the mind, are intended to be studied as individual concept complexes, as matrix, potentiator, etc. In view and mind-body-spirit connections, and in pairs with some concentration upon the polarity of the male and the female. Let's make a pause here. So no, uh, going back to Don's question, the point is not to become the archetypes. Uh, the point is to study these rich portions of the mind, to see these concept complexes. And we'll talk about why they're called concept complexes. But that's the purpose. It is not to become the archetypes. Uh, you can become the archetypes willingly, right? That's what Ra says. It's an advanced practice of someone who has been studying the archetypical system for a while. So they can willingly, um, uh, voluntarily can clothe themselves in the archetypes as it's necessary, depending on the situation and the people around and so on. So again, it's an advanced practice of somebody who has been at this for a while. Um, so in essence, the concept complexes, which are supposed to represent I like that they say the architecture of a significant and rich portion of the mind. So it doesn't represent the whole mind. Um, to me, this means that the archetypical mind, it's almost like understanding why we express the way we do on earth. But that is not the whole mind, you see. This is the mind as it is designed by the regional logos, if you will, the um, yeah, the, the the sun is actually a I would call it a sub sub logos. I know the nomenclature here gets a little crazy, <laughs> only because there is the grand central sun, which is the whole universe manifested, right? Portions of that grand central sun, that's called the logos, right? portions of that grand central sun is the sub logos then which we know as galaxy centers and from those galaxy centers then come this the third right type of, uh, of logos which is the sub sub logos that would be a star the sun is a star so it is a sub sub logos and then we are sub 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 logos <laughs> so as we are uh, sub 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 logos we are part of the sub sub logos which is the sun and the architecture of this uh, of the sun has created this specific archetypical mind for us to experience and so it's a portion a significant and rich portion of course of the mind because that's how we see through human lenses um, this opens the doors to so many speculations for uh, psychonauts who uh, experience with whether that be substances or practices in which they enter these so-called altered states of mind 
and you know they experience things that are ineffable from the human mind because they're getting in touch with things that are beyond the uh, comprehension of the mind so it's almost like you know taking your glasses off which are of a specific color i tend to favor rupert spira's analogy or example of the orange tinted glasses because i have them myself uh, these are of course to filter blue ray which is so uh, prevalent in our monitors and i spend a lot of time here in front of monitors and so in any case these orange tinted glasses it's like taking them off right seeing and saying wow look at the multiplicity of colors and hues and gradients that exist and then trying to put your orange tinted glasses again and tell other people who have orange tinted glasses what you saw <laughs> it's not going to be possible how can you explain colors to people who see only in orange and again this is just what we are we have a mind that can only see through these glasses which are the human mind so again very interesting stuff uh, but yeah it opens the doors to many other conversations and to revel in this magnificent uh, multiple and diverse universe of experiences but let's keep with the archetypical mind so with our orange tinted glasses the mind itself as it is we want or can study it right and when we study it we find that there is a structure to it so we find the structure of the glasses and we see oh this is why it is orange and this is why you know things seem out of shape in this way or whatever it may be the case it's not out of shape it's just the particular way in which intelligent infinity decides remember the logos or the sun is intelligent infinity manifested so how do we want to see the world we as the creator all right um big digression there let's go back then to the way that Ra suggests to study this rich and significant portion of the mind uh, this is through we've talked about this uh, matrix potentiator etc as individual concept complexes or archetypes uh, then in viewing mind body spirit connections so you can pair them as matrix 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 see all the similarities and the congruency between them same with significators and great ways and so on just along the different lines of mind body and spirit look at the archetypes that are represented by the same name and then finally in pairs uh, so matrix and potentiator experience and catalyst significator and the choice and so on uh, in with some concentration upon the polarity of the male and the female uh, these are present in most cards i think there are just a handful that are not represented by um, male and female but there seems to be always some sort of polarity uh, or something that can be seen there remember we're starting the mind so duality needs to be present uh, except of course in the fool as far as i understand it there is no polarity there there shouldn't be at least to my to my understanding which is kind of limited in any case um we're talking about the concept complexes and how to study it I hope what I digress with was helpful in contemplating the nature of 
reality in general, not just through the lens of the human mind. They follow up this by saying, if these are studied, there comes the moment when the deep threnodies and joyful ditties of the deep mind can successfully be brought forward to intensify, articulate, and heighten some aspect of the magical personality. Uh, so I think this goes back to Don's question about clothing yourself or becoming the archetypes. Um, and Ross says that if we study this, um, then there is the, the moment in which the deep threnodies, um, I had to look up these these words because I don't know what they mean, meant, what they meant, <laughs> uh, but the deep threnodies, threnodies are a sort of uh, poet, uh, poem or a lamentation song. Uh, it's not what some people may think, like it's a dreadful dirge or uh, some uh, lugubrious song. It's actually, um, I'll give you an example of what I, I feel, of course, because I'm a nerd. Uh, in the Lord of the Rings, when Gandalf, sorry, spoilers, everybody should know this. <laughs> when Gandalf uh, falls into Moria, uh, then when the Fellowship reaches Lothlorien, uh, especially in, in the movies, I think the movies are a great adaptation. I know. They get uh, crap by purists, but I, I love it. I'm a purist myself. I love the Silmarillion and so on, but like that's probably my favorite part of the whole work that Tolkien did. And it's it wasn't even published by him. It was published by his son, and it's a compilation of... Why am I talking about this? The point is that um, I actually appreciate the deep poetry that Tolkien had. And there is just a mention, I think in the books is just a mention of the elves singing uh, a lament for Gandalf, and I think in the in in uh, in the movies they did uh, a fantastic job in the scene when uh, Legolas is feeling or listening to the song, and I believe it's Mary who asks, uh, "What are they singing about?" And Ga uh, uh, Legolas said that it's a, a lament for Gandalf for falling, and it's such a beautiful song that I forget. Um, who, who was the composer of the, the soundtrack in The Lord of the Rings? The movies, of course. But, but it is, that's a, a, a threnody for me. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a poetic way to describe, you know, the loss of somebody, you know. Um, and then contrasted by joyful ditties. Uh, and joyful ditties, uh, just like little singing songs, you know, that we sing. So why the contrast of this? I'll give you my speculation here. Everything in the mind or the processes of the mind are usually highlighted by uh, celebration of new things that you learn, right? B the birth of things and then the death of old and obsolete parts of yourself. So we're constantly living this reincarnation of who we, who we are, you see? A part of us is dying, we say, and so we feel this sorrow uh, but that sorrow turns into joy when the new things come up. Uh, this is represented beautifully also in life. You know, we lose people, pets, and uh, celebrities that we may like, or authors, and so on. And we feel this, you know, this sorrow. Uh, but then something else comes to, you know, to take its place, as it were. Uh, 
Um, and if we can see this, we can get past the sorrow, you know, that uh, lamentation that can stay there. So studying the archetypical mind is no different, of course, because we have to see this dynamic of the interaction between the loss and the gain, which nothing is really lost, nothing is really gained, all has been there and will continue to be forever and ever. But in any case, that's what we get when studying the mind. Um, then when we appreciate all of this, then this uh, heightens some aspect of the, ma the magic personality and it can be intensified as well. So yes, th this, this is helpful for life. Let's move on. Question 20, Don says, you stated that each archetype is a concept complex. Would you please define what you mean by that statement? Ra says, upon the face of it, such a definition is without merit, being circular. A concept complex is a concept, or rather, a concept complex is a complex of concepts, just as a molecule is a complex structure made up of more than one type of energy nexus or atom. Each atom within a molecule is its unique identity and, by some means, can be removed from the molecule. The molecule, the molecule of water can, by chemical means, be caused to separate into hydrogen and oxygen. Separately, they cannot be construed to equal water. When formed into or in the molecular structure which exemplifies water, the two are irrefragably water. Okay, so... <clears throat> Uh, unquestionable water, irrefragably can be translated to that or uh, substituted, synonym for that. So what is a concept complex? Well, is a concept made out of, of complexity of things. So it's just made out of many things. This whole paragraph seems very daunting, but it's just talking about uh, each archetype is a concept complex. So it's a concept made out of a complexity of small things that are all pieced together to form the, ar the archetype itself. They give the beautiful example, of course, I would appreciate this. A molecule is just a bunch of atoms attracted together. Yes, so that attraction creates the molecule itself. And so we can see water, but hydrogen and oxygen separately are not water, only when they are together. However, water is hydrogen and oxygen. So you can see the interplay there. I don't need to elaborate more here because this is so easily understood. Yes. So that's a concept complex. Let's see what else they say. Just in this way, each archetype has within, within it several root atoms of organizational being. I like that they mix the, the words used in the analogy. Separately, the overall structure of the complex cannot be seen. Together, the concept complex is irrefragably one thing. However, just as it is, it is most useful in grasping the potential in your physical systems of the constituent nature of water, so in grasping the nature of an archetype, it is useful to have a sense of its component concepts. So, Actually, um, English usually does this to me. Uh, just a correction. It is a 
combination of concepts that makes the complex, which is the archetype. I said that it was a concept made of a complexity of things. There is a difference there. Uh, so yeah, the there's different concepts within the uh, the archetype itself, and I believe these are the different imageries that are in the tarot, right? They're supposed to represent different concepts that makes the complex called the archetype. So <clears throat> yeah, just like we can see in water that. Um, how do we piece this? Yeah, so just like we can see in water that hydrogen and oxygen are what makes the you know the element that we call water, and we can study hydrogen and oxygen separately and say, oh, this is the reason why when they are together they behave this way, because that's all that we see. We don't see something as it is, we just see a behavior. That's um, that's what science is. Science studies the behavior of things, at least physical science, right? That's all we can say. We cannot say for sure what's happening. We can never be sure. Only when, he's, when we see it, we say, oh, that's the behavior. So we can study a little bit more why this behavior is happening, why this water behavior is happening when we look at hydrogen and oxygen. So in the same way, we look at the archetypes as depicted by systems of study like the Tarot, and we can say, oh, this is why, you know, we can see things. So for example, we're gonna get uh, not so deep into it, but I believe um, the, the birds are always representing the spirit, right? And so in the matrix of mind, the bird is caged. So the spirit is caged, is constricted to this uh, view. That doesn't mean that the matrix of mind is bad or anything. We have to, yeah, that's something that it's beyond me. I cannot, I cannot go into these uh, elementary parts of studying anything really, which is just to think that things are bad and we should avoid it, or uh, that really is beyond me. And I'm not a archetypical mind study uh, uh, teacher, teacher student. In any case, yes, there is some. Um, uh, that's what I see. I see the bird as the spirit, so we can see that as part of the concepts <laughs> the concepts in the card uh, and so we can see oh of course in the matrix of mind the spirit is sort of contained right instead of saying trapped or in prison there's something of a negative connotation there it should be uh, contained uh, it's not free to do what it wants or what it can be or it's freedom which is just nature right a bird doesn't stop being a bird by being caged, uh, but its um, its nature is contained into that part. So, again, more intelligent people than me can study this and explain it better, but that's just one of my references. Okay, so we're going to attempt this study in the next question. Don says in question 21, in archetype number one, represented by tarot card number one, the matrix of the mind seems to me to have four basic parts to the complex or concepts. Look at the, at the card. We have first and most obvious the magician as a part and what seems to be an approaching star. A stork or similar bird seems to be in a cage. 
on top of the cage we have something that is very difficult to discern. Am I in any way correct in this analysis? So we're now uh, studying the card itself. Ra says, you are competent at viewing pictures. You have not yet, gra yet grasped the nature of the matrix of the mind as fully as is reliably possible upon contemplation. We would note that the representations drawn by priests are somewhat distorted by acquaintance with the dependence upon the astrologically based teachings of the Chaldees. Or I don't know if it's Chaldees, but I'll call them Chaldees from now because I'm Spanish. <laughs> so uh, what does Ross say to... So Don is just describing what he sees in the card. There's a magician, there's a bird in a cage, right? Did he mention that? I know he said some of the bird or a stork in the cage, yes. And there's a star. Now, if we look at the uh, the magician card, which I'll put here, um, when you look at the image, it's missing the star and something on top of the cage. This, uh, for some reason, is um, is not in the cards that they used. I think this is because in the future, Ross says to, uh, in essence, just dismiss those parts of the cards because they have astrological uh, references so they're not part of the study of the tarot i forget like i said i didn't do a very deep study into this but i know the cards have been changed from the original cards that they had um, but again i could i could be wrong there the thing is that we don't see a star in this card now what does ross say here he says or they say you're competent at viewing pictures. <laughs> okay, they're, I think in a way they're being cheeky, you know, and saying like, yes, you know, you have mentioned the elements of the card, but what do they represent, you know? And so they say, you have not yet grasped the nature of the matrix of the mind as fully as is reliably possible upon contemplation. So if you look at it, then you see, hmm, what does the bird mean? What is the magician? Why does it have an orb or a crystal or... Um, I forget what else, what do they call it? Is it an orb? Doesn't matter. It has something in, in the hand, right? So we would know that the representations drawn by priests were somewhat distorted. Here's where we start saying, you know, some of these influences are astrological and they come from the Chaldees. So, um, wink, wink, they're not part of the, the archetypical mind per se. So that's that. Um, Don is gonna ask something a little bit different that is going to change things here. So let's see what that is. Question 22, Don says, when Ra originally trained or taught the Egyptians about the Tarot, did Ra act as teach learners to a degree that Ra became learned teachers? Ra says, this distortion we were spared. <laughs> yeah, we were not there as uh, teach learners, learn teachers. Um, I think at this point, they, they are acting as teach learners. Um, but in the past, they didn't. They were just influencing these. And this is, of course, uh, taken by what they said in the past uh, session, I think it was. Maybe it was the last episode. I don't know. 
um, when they said, I think it was the last session, when they said that they were imprinting basically this into the psyche of the, the seekers back then in Egypt. Uh, but no, they were spared the distortion of becoming uh, learned teachers. I think the conversation goes into... Let's see what it goes to. I know at some point it's going to go into Ross history. Question 23. Don says, Then could you tell me what information you gave to the Egyptian priest or Egyptian who first was contacted or taught with respect to the first archetype? Is that possible for you to do with within the limits of the first distortion, which means free will? Ra says, it is possible. Our first step, as we have said, was to represent the descriptions in verbal form of three images, 1, 8, 15. Then the questions were asked, what do you feel that a bird might represent? What do you feel that a wand might represent? What do you feel the male represents? And so forth, until those studying were working upon a system whereby the images used became evocative of a system of concepts. This slow work when done for the first time. This is slow work when done for the first time. Okay, that makes more sense. Uh, forgive my slide to have uh, double quotes within double quotes. Uh, should be one quote. I am totally aware of that, just not when I uh, make the slides. <laughs> um, at least my uh, grammar teach learner is not here in English. Uh, my Spanish uh, grammar teach learner is, is always very adamant with this in my slides. So I don't have him here so I can be sloppy. Uh, I'm still sloppy in my Spanish slides and everything else anyway. So, what is Ross saying here? Um, so, Don wanted to know first uh, what type of information or how, what kind of information was then given to the Egyptians that were asking this information back then. And so, Ross says, yes, we can do it. And so, they presented the descriptions in verbal form. Now, how do they do this? I don't know. I really don't know because they say they, pre they presented maybe... It was a verbal, like, you know, the, the names came to them. This, like Ross says at the end, was very slow work when done for the first time. It requires a lot. I can imagine just channeling this. I don't think this was channeled, like, through a conscious channel or even an unconscious channel like they did with Carla uh, in 81 to 84. In any case, I don't know how this verbal form was, uh, but... It seems like it was a mental impression. That's what I think. What matters is that they gave every card 1, 8, 15. Okay, these are the matrices. Then they question, you know, the different elements. They talk about the, the magician here. They don't talk about the others. They talk about number one because that's the one they're describing here. Uh, and Don is talking about. So the bird might represent uh, the wand, I think, right? Because I think the magician at some point had a wand, uh, but now it has an orb or a crystal ball. Uh, and the male is definitely the magician in the matrix of the mind. So I think they're talking about the magician here. Uh, 
so yeah and so forth until they could study um, those specific elements those concepts that were there eventually the complex will emerge and so they could study it further but that's so far what they what they did and yeah it makes sense that it was very slow work eventually they got the whole system what else did they say they say we may note with sympathy that you undoubtedly feel choked by the opposite difficulty that a great mass of observation upon this study all of which has some merit as each student will experience the archetypical mind and its structure in a unique way useful to that student we suggest that one or more of this group do that which we have suggested in order that we may without infringement offer observations on this interesting subject subject which may be of further aid to those inquiring in this area okay so the first part of the paragraph is saying um, we notice that you are choked by the complexity uh, by how there is a great mass of observation for you to be done in the whole system this is the opposite of what the Egyptians were having because the Egyptians were saying like okay we saw the bird but what now you know what does this mean you know and uh, they don't even have the full system yet so there's a difference between building the structure little by little which takes time and then looking at the structure and studying it all you see when you're building it you're kind of knowing where every little piece goes and you're forming it and then yes you can appreciate the whole structure but you have memory of everything that was done now done <laughs> and the others they have to see how this was done and so they have to study each part of it and then uh, hopefully see each part of the structure uh, to to be coherent with the rest so that's what they say in the first part of the paragraph and they say um, you know each person would have their own observations and so they they have to just study it and see what comes out once you do this then we can make some offer observations because otherwise there would be some infringement um, so yeah again um, they're just saying in different ways the same thing they have been suggesting study the cards that you have then see what they mean and we can talk about it this is the um, the dynamic of a student and a teacher it's always better to ask questions and the reason being that I'm going to mention something a little bit controversial, but you know what I mean. Even in this one-way uh, method or avenue, which I'm taking here of just talking about this, this is not proper to to learn anything, uh, but just to stimulate some already present knowledge that is there. And so, you know, the controversial part is that there is, it's not so controversial, but I think some people may be stirred by this, simply studying by, uh, by ways of, you know, consuming information is not enough. Um, 
it's always good to have somebody who can answer your questions um, and eventually you can become that which asks and answers the questions with some degree of sensitivity of course you you have to see you have to know if the answers that you're getting are really in line with your chosen polarity of course and that's always the questioning of the self so it's a it's a very delicate topic to to get into but i i like the nature of question and answer and ra definitely suggested this at, i think it was in session two right at the beginning of the channeling they said we're comfortable with questions and answers so you ask we'll answer even if the answer is not what you're expecting or even if the answer is saying i can't say anything about that uh, and so the format was presented so yeah once again they just say this please ask questions we will answer and Ra gives a warning saying we was we would note at this time that the instrument is having almost continuous pain flares therefore we ask that each of the support group be especially aware of any misinformation in order that we may correct any distortions of information the soonest possible. So again, this is just the usual. Uh, Carla has pain, the instrument has pain, and so we may say something that is um, is off. You know, we might uh, give a wrong date or term as they usually did with mind, body, spirit complex, leaving complex out sometimes. So just be aware because there's some interference due to pain flares. And that's it. Um, next question. Then we're going to move, I think, into Ross history, as I suggested. Question 24. Don says, Now, as I understand it, what you suggest as far as the tarot goes is to study the writings that we have available and from those formulate questions. Is this correct? Ra says, no. <laughs> so Don says, sorry, I didn't understand exactly what you meant with respect to that. Would it be appropriate then for me to answer the questions with respect to what I think is the meaning of the three items that you spoke of for card one and then card eight, etc.? Is that what you meant? Um, yes and no. Ra says, this is a very close, this is very close to our meaning. It was our intention to suggest that one or more of you go through the plan of study which we have suggested. The queries having to do with the archetypes as found in the tarot. After this point, may after this point may take the form of observing what seems to be the characteristics of each archetype, relationships between mind, body, spirit, uh, spiritual archetypes and the same ranking that sounds funny okay such as matrix or archetypes as seen in relationship to polarity especially when observed in pairings i got confused reading this paragraph and i'll just summarize it and you can reread it if you want to and then it'll make sense so don is saying should i answer the questions that you gave me uh that's a little bit limited i don't want you to answer i want you to ponder on it I didn't say, um, hmm, so the bird to me seems like this. Well, let me give you something. Uh, this is very helpful for 
when you uh, assist meetings, right, and you have somebody who's answering questions, right, uh, a guru or somebody, a teacher, always ponder upon the question that rises in, within you because you'll be able to distill a better question from it. So for example, if uh, you want to ask about, let's say the law of one, right, and you say, hmm, I wonder if I am a star, right, because I am a I'm a sub 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 logos because Gabe said it, right? So instead of asking the question, am I a star? Start questioning it. What's the difference between a sub sub logos and a sub 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 logos like me and so on, right? And so you'll refine the question eventually to say, is there any similarity? I'm stuck here. I cannot go any further with this questioning. And so you ask the question and say, is there any similarity between uh, a star and the sub 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 logos and what is it I cannot see it and so uh, somebody who knows about the law of one may say well of course because the logos is pure consciousness and you as a mind body spirit complex are or yes you you is <laughs> you are just like the Sun is so when you see that the nature of the Sun is this and your nature is this and you can see a similarity and so you can go further more questions may arise so observations are really important for us to study specific things and then ask questions that are a little bit more refined. It doesn't have to be, but it helps. Helps you, helps the teacher. So um, that's what Ra is saying, you know, it was our intention to suggest that one or more of you, better if the three of them study it, right? Go through the plan of study, which we have suggested, and then they go back to um, the, the, the plan of study. And so they mention, um, first go through each of the archetypes, uh, then after that point, observing the characteristics uh, of each archetype in between them, relationships between mind, body, spirit, which I mentioned already, uh, such as matrix and so on. And then the archetype seen, uh, seen in relationship to polarity, uh, when observed in pairing, especially when observed in pairing. So this is what we have talked about already. Study each archetype uh, as they are matrix, matrix, matrix of mind, body, spirit. Uh, then see them as in pairing, uh, potentiator and matrix and so on. Uh, then look at them in terms of gender or yeah, uh, male and female polarities and so on. So. Uh, you see, they they even say archetypes as seen in relationship to polarity. I like that, uh, especially when observed in pairings. But just the polarity between themselves, you can see a lot going on. Um, so, okay, I would even say that there is a lot going on in the polarities within the same archetype. You see, so the lovers, for example, it's, it's a beautiful example of this. Uh, I think that is the significator of the spirit. I think it is. So whatever the lovers is, um, you see both of them, male and female, what's happening there, you see. Uh, I forget which one is, I think it's transformation of the mind, which has, uh, you know, the, the male with two females and he needs to uh, decide what to do, you know, and so th there's an interplay there that I won't go into the details because one is study and two It's too complex uh, But yeah, there is you know a decision 
in the transformation of the mind there, negative or positive. You know, do I prostitute or do I court myself as seen as, you know, what you're, uh, what you're seducing is always yourself. You know, that's what the polarity is always there. Anyhow, let me not go into that. So that's what Ron is suggesting. Let's see what else they suggest. They say to finish this, any observations made by a student which has fulfilled these considerations will receive our comments in return. Our great avoidance of interpreting for the first time for the learned teacher various elements of a picture upon a piece of pasteboard is involved both with the law of confusion and with the difficulties of the distortions of the pictures upon the pasteboard. That's cardboard, I guess, the little cards. <laughs> Therefore, we may suggest a conscientious review of that which we have already given concerning this subject as opposed to the major reliance being either upon any rendition of the archetype pictures or any system which has been arranged as a means of studying these pictures. Wow, this is a very elaborate way of saying. Um, don't rely on things that have been written already about it as a means to study these pictures, nor on the pictures themselves, but on what you're observing. I think this is what they said, right? The last part where they say, we may suggest a conscientious review of that which have we have already given concerning this subject, right? Just study them, you yourself, and see what does this mean to me, okay? Uh, as opposed to the major reliance, which you can still read, you know, about these things and kind of study them and see what others have said. But um, if it's a major reliance, then you won't be studying yourself, <laughs> you know, you'll be, yeah, you'll become a scholar as opposed to, you know, uh, a real teacher. A scholar is not a teacher. You see, you can, and again, a scholar can be a teacher. Uh, but not necessarily, you know, like you don't, it's, you know, it's this whole dilemma of vocation versus profession. You know, do you really do it because you enjoy it and you can, you know, you get the, uh, the gist of it or because you learn it in books and, uh, you know, I just got to go to work. That's the, the whole dilemma. I can extrapolate from that, but the point is that they're saying uh, any rendition of the archetype pictures or any system which has been arranged as a means of studying these pictures. No major reliance there. Always rely on what you see and what they mean to you. Every time I have talked about somebody who studies the Tarot, they mention that they have sat in meditation and they have pondered upon the meaning of all of these things and created their own structure. What this means to them. Does this mean that everybody's wrong or everybody's right? Yeah, I would say that everybody has you know, it's like looking at something and saying, that's beautiful or that's ugly. Neither is right. You know, they're just interpretations, but they're both seeing the same thing. <laughs> that's what matters. Uh, the same thing goes here. Um, okay, so any observation made by a student, I know that's very unfulfilling for us as um, logical thinkers. I know, but that's the nature of things. So, okay, any observation made by a student which has fulfilled these considerations will receive our comments in return. Once again, saying, if you have done your homework, then we can talk about it. Uh, then they say, we avoid 
interpreting this uh, for the first time um, for the for the learned teacher various elements of a picture upon a piece of pasteboard is involved in both with the law of confusion so first of all we don't want to interpret these things for you because free will you need to do it yourself and with the difficulties of the distortions of the pictures about the pasteboard um, I think this means that let me go back to something that I said before. Hopefully you can follow me here because this can render a lot of really good insights into your own study. Not only of the archetypical mind, of, for anything else. I mentioned before that Ra study the archetypical mind in their own ways. So let's just say that the archetypical mind is a structure that is there to be studied by anybody. Anybody. Without the aids of anything because we're studying ourselves as the structure of what we are, right? What we think we are manifested. So we're studying that. We're studying the lens. You remember my analogy when I talked about the glasses? So we're studying the lenses themselves, you see. I mean, you, can, you cannot study the lens without the awareness or the eyesight, right? Um, that would be card 22 which again have I said is my favorite um, so okay we can study it but we don't have to um, rely upon a system of study however like Ra did they created a system of study for themselves that was the archetypical mind in it wasn't the tarot the tarot was what they gave here in Egypt so you can see that they study something that is already there to be studied by anybody. Then they gave it to the Egyptians in the form of the Tarot. And so they, the, the Egyptians, they drew themselves whatever came to mind, whatever symbolic stuff came as a method to understand the archetypical mind. Because this symbology is the product of already people studying and Ra is very, uh, as far as I see it, they are apprehensive of doing it, of interpreting the image itself, you see, because it would add a layer of distortion that they don't want. So they say, all right, you know, this was fair. This is a fair interpretation of the archetype. Look, whatever it is that you see there, look at it interpret it yourself and then we talk about that interpretation you see so it's less effective to talk about other people's interpretations about what they see there uh, helpful perhaps but it's way better if they do the observations themselves so that's what I want to show you that uh, symbology is interesting at most and it's a good referential point but it's not the study itself and it's not something that we should rely on. Let me say something else about this because we live in a mythological um, era of representing spirituality. This is something that is present everywhere in every system of studies. Look at the mythology that has been created in Christianity, in Hinduism, uh, even in Buddhism there is mythology mythology to me i'm using the word mythology as 
symbological representations of things that are in and of themselves part of the mind. Everything is mind. That's probably one of the reasons why the Kibalion is so um, universal, because they don't talk much. They still talk about symbology, but not much or very little. And so it's very pure, short text, and it's, that's why it's so revered as a, an introduction to metaphysics and spirituality in general, or just the nature of self. So, yes, when we look at the mind and we see, um, uh, we see this, this structure, then uh, it can be studied, you know, and it could be seen in symbolic representations, but let's not confuse, you know, the uh, Shiva for a real person that was here. I'm sorry, I know Hinduists, they may think this way. Uh, I don't think at least, maybe there was a human, but I, I am very reluctant to call superhumans something that was here in the past. And I know some people who are into suppressed history talk about, you know, giants being here and all of this. Uh, I take a very careful approach to that because at the core, I'm very skeptic. And, you know, whether it is or not, it's, uh, it's meaningless. But the point is that we have a lot of mythology. So avoiding that mythology as something that we can grasp on, you know, and cling to, uh, it's, a, it's a good idea. It's always to keep a very loose mind onto things and say, great, that's just a sim symbolic representation. And I see this more and more within metaphysical studies that take very light approaches to understanding uh, negative entities and your own past karma and people being influencing uh, or people influencing your life because they're here to make you pay karma or give you karma or these dynamics, they are being lost in mythological representation. That is a mythological representation, if I say so. If I may say so, it's a very subtle one, but it's a very important one to keep in mind because we are still dragged by these things that we say, oh no, you know, I'm, I'm here to suffer because in my past incarnation I did this and so I have, and you know, also in other ways, like I meant to meet somebody in the future who is going to give me this and that. So much to go into in there, but I won't. Um, but just keep that in mind, whatever that means to you. Just my, my little nugget of information. Okay, so I think we're gonna finish with one more question. I don't know if I'm going to take four parts with this session because it's already very long uh, and we still have to cover Ross history. I promise that and we won't <laughs> talk about offering something that I'm not going to be able to fulfill. Let's go to the next question. Oh, I talked on the slide all the time and I didn't even notice. So, well, um, I hope you <laughs> those of you on YouTube enjoyed this um this slide very much <laughs> let's go to the next question don says all right we'll attempt to do that ross stated that a major breakthrough was made when proper emphasis was put on arcanum 22 
This didn't happen until after Ra had completed third density. I assume from this that Ra, being polarized positively, probably had some of the same difficulty that occurred prior to the veil in that the negative polarity was not appreciated. That's a guess, is this correct? And Ra says, in one way, it is precisely correct. Our harvest was overwhelming, over, yeah, I can say this, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, yeah, I can say it, <laughs> positive. And our appreciation of those which were negative was relatively uninformed. I need to practice that word. They say, however, we were intending to suggest that in the use of the system known to you as the Tarot for advancing the spiritual evolution of the self, a proper understanding, if we may use this misnomer, of Archetype 22 is greatly helpful in sharpening the basic view of the significator of mind, body, and spirit, and further throws into starker relief the transformation and great way of mind, body, and spirit complexes. Very well. So, this is the question that is going to um, to trigger the conversation for Ra's uh, history. Okay, so... So Don wants to ask about uh, my favorite card, 22, Arcanum 22, which by the way in some decks is also card number zero. And that's why I'm wearing my t-shirt today of zero, although I have way too much hair in my head than Billy. So um, yeah, card zero or card 22. Hmm. And there's a beautiful uh, reference there to card 0 or 22, beginning or end. Alpha and Omega is the fool. So, okay. Uh, Don reminds Ra that they said something about not realizing the full extent of card 22 or the fool in third density while they were in Venus. And so he guesses that this was because they didn't have much uh wait being polarized positively probably had some of the same difficult okay yes so that he mentions th that they might have had the same difficulty of um of so much to be said here where do i start okay so remember how prior to the veil there wasn't a negative um polarity it was there in potential, but it wasn't there in practice or in motion. That was because everybody was, although there was no polarity there, everybody was what we consider now to be positive. They all knew that they were the creator, and so everything was fine and dandy. So because of that, they had difficulties in um, understanding many things. So because Ra was largely positive in Venus, no conflict, no problems. It was just really positive, loving beings. Then they had the same difficulty of understanding, you know, the polarity of things. And they couldn't appreciate the negative polarity as much. And so Ra says, in one way, it is precisely correct because they were overwhelmingly, I can't say this, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly. Okay, I need to practice. 
positive and our appreciation of those uh, which were negative was relatively uninformed. So they, they were pretty naive and they continue to be naive. Uh, they said it themselves, I'm not judging you raw. Oh, that's funny. I have a, uh, a sphinx in a pyramid as for those of you who have Windows 10, you know that in the search bar, there's always something. And I have, I'll probably take a, a snap of this. Can I do this? Wonder if I can do it live. Can I do this live? Come on. I'm gonna take a snap of this and show it to you. I can't. I will, and I'll show you. It's probably here if I did. Um, yeah, talking about Egypt and pyramids and Ra, and I have this. Uh, so, yeah, there is. Um, That's what they were, right? And so they go further and say that the reason why they I have to reread this. Uh, we were intended to suggest that in the use of the system known to you as the tarot for advancing the spiritual evolution of the self, a proper understanding, if we may use this misnomer of archetype 22, is greatly helpful in sharpening the basic view of the significator of mind, body, and spirit. So that's the thing. Um, to study the system uh, known to us as the Tarot um, for the purpose, again, I love how thorough they are, to use the Tarot for advancing, you know, the evolution of self, self knowing self, uh, a proper understanding of the archetype 22 is greatly helpful in sharpening the, va the basic view of the significator of mind. Why the significator? Because you pair the significator with uh, card 22. Remember you pair uh, matrix and potentiator, experience and catalyst and transformation and great way together. And the significator seems to be alone, but no, you pair it with the fool. Uh, 22, card 22. And so you get a, a system of study there, which I won't talk about because I have in the past, but it has to do with the self, significator and the fool. It's very much the self as we experience ourselves, whether inwardly or outwardly. Um, so yeah, that's what they meant, that this could be appreciated later. How and why, I don't know, but that's it. From here, uh, this is going to begin the uh, the story of Ra or history, Ra's history. In Don is going to ask if you read the book, you'll see that all the questions are there. I don't know if I'm going to cover this in one last episode or if I'm going to split it into two. We'll see how it goes. Conclusions. Let's dedicate this to the archetypes or the archetypical minds. Uh, again, I, I am not a student of the archetypical minds in any shape or form. Uh, I have read some, uh, some books about it and some uh, guides, not books, but just guides that people have written, especially uh, Joe Cortez or Joseph Cortez. Uh, he's the one that I've, I've studied the most. And you know, there's, there's something 
so deep to get into them that I just, even I don't get into. So the one thing that I would say is that if you're studying the Tarot or the Archetypical Mind, uh, meditate on each archetype. See what they inform you. You know, there's there's a beauty there in terms of the relationships that are between them and the different meanings that they all have individually. I like to see them individually and then pairing them, as Ra suggested. Um, I haven't gotten too much into the gender or polarity study of the difference, you know, male and female and black and white and so on. There's a lot of polarity there. Uh, but that's another one that can be can be seen. So do that. Do it yourself. See what comes up, and then compare it to what other people are saying. Uh, not as a method of saying, "Oh, I was wrong," or "I was right," or "I am right and they're wrong." Just, oh, okay, you know, this. How does this influence me? Or maybe I don't pick it up, or whatever it is. It's just, it's fun to study this. It's not supposed to be something that we dread. Um, so yeah, that's that. I have nothing else to say, but uh, thank you as always for watching. I hope this was helpful in many ways and I'll see you in part three of session 89.